What is up, everybody? It is week 170 here on the TLDR podcast, and we are in the thick of it. We are in the thick of MLB playoffs, the thick of the first couple weeks of the NHL season. And Alex, I think we're one week away from NBA, correct? Uh, how are you doing, Alex, uh, you know, with your fantasy? I know the in-season cup's been very good to you, but you said everything balances out, so you got to be losing somewhere. Uh, I mean, I did lose fantasy football, but I did win first week of fantasy hockey. So uh, that's going well, but I'm ready for the NBA to start uh, after my baseball team was out over that Kings are playing well tonight. So at least there's that. And yeah, I am, I am ready for the NBA season. It should be a good one. Um, So yeah, I'm doing well, Um, but yeah, my plan is to never let go the in-season cup and just sweep all the way through. It's a great, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'll figure it out. I love that. Um, Your your Kings started out uh, marginally better than, than my, than my Oilers did. But um, I like to think that you don't really take much stock in week one. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of what happens. James, let's take a lot of stock in that in Anaheim win though. Hey, (laughs) yeah, dude, that was actually incredible. I um, wasn't the biggest hockey fan. You guys know that until Sunday when I'm now the biggest hockey man, because that game was electric. And I have like this newfound love for hockey and ducks hockey. They beat the freaking hurricanes. Like that was fun. That was a great environment. I'm excited to watch the ducks play again, but they don't play again until Thursday when they take the cup from the Dallas stars. But anyway, it was fun. It was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, very good uh, environment. I mean, guys, I've been to a f- plenty of Ducks games in the past um, and, you know, a couple playoff games. I haven't seen the energy like that in that building for a couple years now. And I know it was, it was a home opener, but when you're playing when those amazing threads, first of all, those jerseys, those uniforms were unbelievable. Uh, the 30th anniversary title, take them out, t- take a look. Oh my God. If, you, if you're giving oh, yeah. that, that means you're not a mighty Ducks. Sorry, I thought you were talking about their normal. Normal no. ones. God, no. They're the, they're right, I'll look it up. Give me a second. Give me a second. They're, they're the worst uniforms in the league. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, to, to beat a team like that, James, it just, it was awesome to see um, for the, for those, that, for that fan base. So uh, Tyler, I know that your team's out, but I know you've been watching plenty of playoff baseball. Um, one series is obviously a lot different than the other, <laughs> but um, how, how are you liking the, the, the playoffs? now that you're over the the Dodgers issue yeah um you know obviously that's always a, it's always a tough moment when the Dodgers inevitably you know get bounced but you know it, it, it takes me a few days but you know October baseball is still amazing whether your team's in it or not and um I think we have two really great uh or championship series going on I think the Battle of Texas is is a super fun storyline um there in that in that ALCS uh, this NLCS, to be to be honest with you, um, going into it wasn't that exciting of a matchup, and I think it's proving to be not that competitive. As I believe the Phillies are up like nine or ten nothing right now. Um, I think the Diamondbacks are just they're they're they're, they're going to meet their match here, but we'll we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, overall, I'm I'm still enjoying postseason baseball. Um, I'm excited to see what the World Series matchup is going to be, um, and enjoying all the sports because we we're, we're getting all of them back and. Uh, October is just a great month to be a sports fan. Um, baseball too, even if your team just seems to suck dick, but it is what it is. Hey, well, at least you got, you went to the dance. The Angels the, yeah. uh, weren't even close. Exactly. <laughs> to, get, to make it into the dance. But um, we're, we're, we're going to fir- first table that discussion, um, you know, for the end to see how this game goes. We're going to open it right up, right back with James with his, with his uh, uh, fantasy waiver wires. 
Thank God they're back because I need some freaking help. Oh yeah, trading trading team is trading team is not looking good. Uh, just to recap in our fantasy league here, Alex, Tyler, and I are all tied for second. Trading and Mike, because we got a shout out, Mike Brown. Thanks for listening. Tied for fifth. Teams on by this week: Carolina Panthers, Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, New York Jets, and Tennessee Titans. That's a lot of teams. So if you have any of those players from any of those teams, you're gonna want to list it up because my first pick this week is Sam Howell quarterback out of Washington. 19.1% rostered, 18.34 points against the Falcons, 14 for 23 for 151 yards and three touchdowns. The yard total does not seem like a lot because it isn't, but three touchdowns is a lot and that's how he gets his points. And honestly, like he's, he's had a pretty good fantasy season. He's sitting at the 12th overall fantasy QB for a Washington team that nobody really believed in, especially the guys on this podcast. If you take the Buffalo team, the Buffalo game out of it, he averages 19.96 points per game. The last three games, five touchdowns, one interception. He also throws all over the field. He's not just throwing to his receivers. He's not just throwing to his tight ends. He's also throwing to his running backs. Both Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson had a receiving touchdown last game. Up next, they played the really, 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 really bad Giants. Count that that many? I don't know. Who knows? Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, James, you kind of nailed it, um, especially with a bunch of teams on buys, um, you know, and if you're looking for a quarterback, if you have Joe Burrow or CJ Stroud or any of those other guys that are on a buy, Sam Howell's a great pickup. The Giants are trash. Um, and you're right. Sam is doing a great job of facilitating the ball all over the field. Yes, 151 total yards is not an ideal situation, but he he's averaging, you know, what, like you mentioned, 19 points. If you exclude when they played the Buffalo Bills, who are obviously still a very good football team, the Giants are straight trash. And something that's kind of improved over the last couple of weeks, um, five touchdowns to one interception. That's always a good ratio when you're going that direction. So yeah, pick up Sam Howell because there are you're probably looking for a quarterback or a fair amount of you are looking for a quarterback this week. Ben, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I think that I think that's the clear best option. Um, just given the fact that we have, you know, six teams on by the 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 other option is uh, the other I just have a couple options you could look at. Um, I know that his time in uh, New Orleans hasn't been pretty at, up until the last couple of weeks, but Derek Carr is a, is a solid option. You know, I know it's not great, but it's it, it is against the Jacksonville Jags. He has looked a little bit better now that he's uh, you know coming off that injury. Um, I also want to tip my hat to Baker Mayfield. You're playing an Atlanta Falcons team who, who, uh, you know, gave up a ridiculous amount of, uh, you know, points and, and amazing efficiency to your, to your, uh, aforementioned how there, James. So I think just based on a matchup that th those are other options. If, um, if Alex steals, uh, Howell from you, which he, you know, sounds like he may, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he might, he probably will. He might need it. I don't know. I've looked at his team running back Kareem Hunt, Cleveland Browns is my next pick. 26.8% rostered, 16.1 points against the Niners in a game that the Niners should have won, except that there was referees involved. 12 rushes, 47 yards, and a touchdown, three receptions for 24 yards. He's honestly making a case to be the lead back in Cleveland and because, you know, Nick Chubb is gone for the season. And Jerome Ford is just there. He is honestly like the most, the more explosive, big, big play back in Cleveland. And he knows the system better than anybody. Let's be real. He's been there since 2019. I mean, he's only been on the team this week, this year, since week three, but he's been at Brown since 2019. He knows that system. He knows that facility. He knows everything about the Browns. Coming out of the bye, it seems like Kevin Stefanski is really trying to get him more involved. And you saw it against the, against the Niners. He had 16 K or 12 rushes. Like he was part of this game plan. 
Up next, we play the Colts. They allow an average of 21 points to the running backs, which is, yes, a lot of points. Tane, what are your thoughts? I think that the fact that Kareem Hunt was able to do it, he did against the Niners of all teams. Um, I think I think is a really test is a big testament to you know maybe he's starting to come back into form. Uh, I don't think he's we're, he's we're going back to the hunt that we remember yet. I think I don't I, don't, I think we're going to pump the brakes on that thought. But I do think that as he's going to continue to get more reps, as he's going to continue to be brought back into the offense, and you're playing against a, a matchup that is clearly in your favor. Uh, I, I think this is a great pickup and, and actually is a guy who, especially with the amount of running backs that are kind of, you know, coming, to, uh, coming down with injuries as of late alongside the, the waiver or the, uh, the, the bye week issues, I think Kareem hunts, if you have a spot in your roster, put stash him there. Alex, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely the most well-known back, um, kind of available, obviously a big week against the, the Niners, um, just real quick, James, what's more embarrassing, losing to the Browns or losing to the Jets? Just just curious for people on this podcast. I'm just I'm just wondering. I think losing to the Jets. Okay, I agree. Cool. The Browns have a better D-line. <laughs> Except, yeah, I mean, both don't have their starting quarterbacks. Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Greenwood uh, yeah, is, is a great option for sure. And yeah, like you mentioned, he knows the system. He's not going to be the cream hunt of three years ago or even back um, when he, like, he was on the, those Chiefs days. I was going to suggest one of the Rams running backs, maybe Zach Evans, just because everyone is hurt. But now they're trying to, they're bringing on 12 million def- different running backs and they're playing Pittsburgh. So I'm not really sure what to do with that anymore. So I've, I've pivoted away from that. I still think cream hunt is your best option, but a potential fallback is Deontay Foreman of the Chicago Bears. Speaking of running backs, rooms that are very hurt. The Bears, speaking of uh, their best player that's hurt, Justin Fields, I don't know if he's going to play. I kind of doubt it. And if he's not playing, potentially they're going to use their run, their actual run game more often and less of him kind of scrambling. Just a thought. It, and they're playing the Raiders, who I would say, you know, other than Max Crosby, are, I would say kind of an average defense. They're not terrible. They're not great. Just Deontay Foreman's out there, um, you know, pretty versatile guy who could potentially do something for you. I like that. Um, you mentioned the Los Angeles Rams running back room. Got to give a shout out to Trades guy, or Tyler's guy, Ronnie Rivers, who has not been seen or heard from since last year in that one game. <laughs> and you said Ronnie Rivers is going to be the guy. You are I, so wrong. I forgot about him. <laughs> that was your we boy, no, man. And he's, and was now he's out for the next like four weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ronnie Rivers, the good old Ronnie Rivers. <laughs> Moving on to wide receiver, Rasheed Rice, Kansas City Chiefs, thirty point four percent rostered. 11.2 points against the Broncos, four receptions on four targets for 72 yards. He's been consistently targeted by Mahomes all season long. I mean, the guy averages five targets per game. Uh, the offense, obviously, as you guys see, the offense in Kansas City looks off. But you know that Mahomes and Andy Reid will get it together eventually, sooner rather than later. And when they do, I think this early work between Mahomes and Rasheed Rice is going to pay major dividends. Rice came into this league as a field stretcher and this big play speed threat and he's expanded his route tree in just six games keep in mind he's still a rookie that is impressive you know who else came to the league as a speed threat and a field stretcher and played for the chiefs tyreek hill now i'm not saying rasheed rice is tyreek hill but the similarities are uncanny and this could potentially be the silver draft if the offense gets better tyler your thoughts you heard her here first. James said that Rashi Rice is the next Tyreek Hill. So I literally said, it. I'm not saying just like we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I like 
uh, uh, Rice here. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, a very steady presence in the Chiefs offense. I think you like what you see there in those numbers. And like, as you said, I think, you know, there's definitely potential for this only to get better. I think, I think his ceiling is a lot higher than what we've, than what we've already seen, um, both with him, you know, um, advancing as a rookie and the Chiefs offense kind of, kind of, kind of getting back to their normal, um, status quo of kind of, you know, just kind of just putting up a, a lot of points. So um, I think there's a lot, a lot of potential here. And I think the the floor is not that low either. So I think it's a pretty safe flex flex option, um, especially with, with, with all these teams on by. Um, I think you, you, you can um, slot him in there. And I think, you know, at worst, he's probably didn't give you like six or eight points on a bad day, but he could potentially give you close to, close to 20 if he really has a, uh, has a good game. So um, I think there's a lot more boost potential here than um, bust. Hey, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I like the, I like the move there. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep counting him until, until he gets over 50% and it's Josh Palmer <laughs> of the Los Angeles chargers. Um, n- not enough of you guys are picking him up. He had a great double digit, uh, a game last, last night, despite the fact that the rest of the team outside of, uh, Mike Evans, I'm sorry, Keenan Allen was bad. Um, <laughs> um, look, Josh Palmer is clearly the number two uh, wide receiver. Uh, he he ran the most routes on the team, had saw seven targets, caught four on, for 60 yards. Pretty <clears> solid. Like I said, double-digit points for, for a few, few weeks now, I believe. Uh, that's three in a row now. Uh, that, uh, you're looking for double-digit points from a waiver wire guy. And, he, and he's sitting just on that precipice at 49-point-something in the ESPN, um, you know, in, in the ESPN side. Pick him up uh, because, you know... Th- those waiver wires are going to continue to be an issue. And I, I, I like to think that he's a decent start against the chiefs. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a little bit more of a shootout type of style. Uh, little, the, both, both are gunslinging guys. And we already know it's a divisional re- matchup. That's going to be electric. Um, we could see some, uh, some high numbers. So Josh Palmer might be right in there. I love that pick for those of you, Quentin Johnson truthers out there. He's not the guy he hasn't been targeted in three games. And I know he's a rookie. It doesn't matter. Josh Palmer is the number two in that offense. Moving on to tight end, Jonu Smith, Atlanta Falcons, 14.8% rostered, 13.6 points against the Commanders, four receptions on five targets for 36 yards and a touchdown. Atlanta is now tight end you because Kyle Pitts finally had this mini breakout game where he finally scored a touchdown. But whatever, like the guy, the pass catching guy in Atlanta is Jonu Smith. He has been all season long. He's been the most consistent guy there. Outside of week one, he hasn't been targeted less than five times in an offense that passes like 17 times a game, like 32 targets, 220, 282 yards and a touchdown is a lot for a tight end. The touchdowns, not so much, but he's going to continue getting targeted in the end zone. And since he's gotten his first touchdown, those floodgates are open. It's impossible to not get more touchdowns. If you get continued, if you continue getting targeted there, unless you're Deontay Johnson and he's not, it's John New Smith. Trade, what are your thoughts? I think you have an opportunity to pick, to pick up a top 10 fantasy tight end here, guys. Um, off the waiver wire, for Christ's sake. I mean, we know that tight ends are kind of that enigma when it comes to that this the position. Um, you know, that they are very boomer bust, but he's been getting the job done and he's not even number one in Atlanta. It, it's clearly a tight end by committee situation. And Jonu Smith, in my in it from what I've seen, is getting plenty of volume. Uh, I don't know if it's 50-50, but it's damn close. And they both have and both him and Kyle Pitts both finally fucking scored in the last uh, you know, last week or so. Um, uh, and it, 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 I don't think Kyle Pitts is necessarily your bona fide number one. He is not, he's not the only t- tight end here. We have two tight ends that are clearly going to be, uh, you know, targeted and you could see Jonu Smith take a, take an even bigger step forward if he continues to perform. 
uh, you know, his 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 uh, floor might be or a ceiling might be a little lower, so he might be able to break right through. Tyler, what do you think? All right. So I believe I threw this guy out there a few weeks ago. I'm going to throw him out there again. 21st ranked tight end, 17.4% rostered, averages 6.8 points, which, hey, for a waiver wire tight end, not the worst thing in the world. That's Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, I'm throwing this guy. I know two weeks ago we put up one point, but hey, don't worry about that. Just ignore that. That was an outlier. Okay. <laughs> I know it's a it, it's a it's a risky pick, but hey. Jordan Love and him seem to have some some pretty good chemistry. I think he's definitely one of his top um, top targets in that Green Bay Packers offense. And in week seven, they're playing the Broncos, which we know how shitty that team is. So that might be a favorable matchup for the offense in Green Bay. Not a bad idea if all those other options are not taken. Like I said, it's a risky. It's definitely a boomer bust for sure. But take a look at Luke Musgrave. Yeah, it's a boomer bust, whereas boom is three points and his bust is zero points. There you have it, folks. That ends. He's got more than three points for his high. Don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah, well, we had, we have to check that. Um, but anyway, that would wrap up my word of our segment. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, James. That is very very helpful every single week. And I'm sometimes I'm sad when you're hosting because I don't get it, but I do get to read them. But it just everybody deserves to get this knowledge. It's all really good stuff. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the our TLDR podcast favorite division in the NBA, the Pacific Division with Alex. And we're back. I know I'm sounding better. Sorry about that first segment. Thank you, boys. Alex, take us away with the Pacific Division. Yes, thank you, Traden. Uh, specifically, we are recording Tuesday, October 17th. One week from today is the opening night of the NBA. Um, so it'll work out great. I will finish up the final division on the night before the, the season opens or as the season opens, even though you'll listen to it two days after. But that is just a technology problem, not a math problem. Okay, so into the Pacific, like Trade and mentioned earlier, the teams that the four of us are fans of, and the one division in the NBA where all five teams made the playoffs, um, which is pretty interesting that we made it, that they made it this far. Um, we're going to start from the bottom, and somehow it's the team that went the furthest, the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, had a crazy second half to their season, finished forty-three and thirty-nine, lost in the conference finals to the Nuggets, and I lost money on that. Okay, Tyler, you paying attention? Because I'm going to say yep. a lot of games. So prepare yourself. They lost Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, Troy Brown Jr., Waylon Gabriel, Dennis Schroeder, Tristan Thompson, and Lonnie Walker. They gained Jackson Hayes, Jalen Hood, Shafino with the 17th overall pick, Torian Price, Cam Reddish, Gabe Vincent, Christian Wood, and they re-signed Anthony Davis, Rhee Hachimura, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, and Jared Vanderbilt. Got all that? Yep. <laughs> okay. Obviously, Huge amount of turnover on the roster for the Lakers. A lot of guys re-signing, um, you know, kind of some of those like bench pieces, six man type type roles, guys kind of leaving, replacing with other guys. Obviously, Tyler, when your roster begins with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you are a championship contender. But is this the best depth you've seen the Lakers have in a while? And is like, is this team kind of one that you think is is poised to really get off to a better start, hopefully? 
Yeah, I do. I think, you know, the, you know, since their championship run in 2020, I think this is definitely the best, uh, the deepest Lakers team that we've seen in the kind of the LeBron 80 era. Um, I think they really restored a lot of faith in, in the, in the front office and, and this team that they can go for a championship with their, with kind of how they turn things around at the trade deadline and that late run that they went on last season and, and, and have an, and had a nice deep, uh, playoff run. And I think they just kept on improving the roster of the offseason. All those teams that you mentioned, um, I think are going to fit really well within within this um, Lakers system. I'm really excited, you know, to kind of see what the Lakers team can be. Obviously, I think some, some just question marks, you know, I think they need to continue to have those breakout performances from the, those Austin Reeves and, uh, Rui Hachimura. Um, those are two guys that, you know, came, came on the team, and really solidify themselves as, as, as big pieces. They're going to need to continue that because I think they, they're putting a lot of um, faith and a lot of confidence in those guys to basically, you know, kind of be the, 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 the key supporting pieces to LeBron and AD. And then obviously when it comes to LeBron and AD health is a major question mark with both of those guys, they're going to need them to stay as healthy as possible. I'm sure they're both going to miss some games throughout the regular season, but as long as they can get them healthy and playing at their best come playoff time. I think that this Lakers team has the potential to win a title. I think they definitely have the pieces in place to make a good run. So um, like I said, there's, there's, there's definitely a few question marks. It's not, you know, I'm not the, the, the confidence isn't sky high with this team as rostered, but definitely a lot better than going into where, 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 where they were last year. Um, so I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah. This isn't the confidence of the, the Kobe Shaq, the Kobe Powell Lakers for sure. Cause those teams you knew going into it, we're making the NBA finals. It's just, do we beat whatever Eastern conference team kind of shows up? Yes. Health with AD and Braun are always a huge portion of it. Um, like James mentioned, LeBron is one of those guys that a couple weeks ago, James mentioned this. LeBron is one of those guys that the new sit rule does not apply to because he's played for the last 20 years and has logged 70 million minutes. And it, so none of that matters to him. So potentially, yeah, they will try to sit LeBron kind of feels like the Lakers may not really care about the, the regular season all too much. I think they just kind of want to not be in the playing tournament. Again, one guy that I think will be kind of most important to watch is D'Angelo Russell. What, what does he, how does he fit into this role? You know, he can be an offensive threat. His defense is kind of nothing. Um, and it really looks like his contract is potentially one that they could flip at the deadline for whatever needs the Lakers may or may not have. So, but yeah, Tyler, I agree with you. Um, I think the depth on this team makes them a title contender, just like every team, there are question marks. And, you know, with this Lakers team, it's obviously the health of their big two, um, big three, if you want to count Austin Reeves, but, um, so over under Tyler, they had 43 wins last year, obviously started off terrible, got really hot at the end. They're over under set at 47 and a half. I'll go over. I think, uh, I, I think they're going to get close to 50. Okay. Traded. I'll take the under. Under. Okay. James. I'm also going to take the under. Um, I know you like to talk about offense. Braun's offensive game is worrisome to me. Um, he can no longer shoot the three very often, very well. He can't drive the basket that well either. Who else is an offense on that team? I don't really know. So it's, it's under for me. Okay. I'm going to take the over. I'm going positive. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good line. It could be like 48, 49. Um, yeah. LeBron's obviously... A lot of minutes, a lot of, a lot of years. So they will, they will definitely have, um, it'll be interesting how they kind of work him into this season. Moving 
on to the Golden State Warriors, who finished one game better than the Lakers. They went 44 and 38 last year, and they lost in the second round to those Lakers. Um, trade in. So here we go. They had kind of a weird offseason for sure. Uh, they lost Patrick Baldwin Jr., Dante DiVincenzo. Andre Iguodala is technically a free agent and also 12 million years old. Kind of doubt he's coming back. I don't know if he like officially sent in his retirement paperwork and potentially the most polarizing warrior of all time, Jordan Poole. They gained Rudy Gay, Chris Paul, um, branded Podzimski with the number 19 overall pick, Dario Saric, and they re-signed Draymond Green. So trade in. Is this the year the Warriors start to show some cracks, or do you still see them as one of the top-tier championship contenders in the Western Conference? I think they started to show some cracks last year, to be honest with you. Um, and this is a, the, the, the Golden State Warriors are at what I would call a complete crossroads. This is the true last dance for this group, in my opinion. Um, this is a gr- group that is older. We ha- uh, A lot of us have worried about the, the age and the depth of this team. And by just bringing in um, uh, Chris Paul, you kind of fix the depth side to some extent. We still don't know where he's going to fit, but you you completely <laughs> nuked the uh, the age issue. Uh, this is an old team, and you know they're not getting younger. And I don't know, you know, where Clay Thompson is at this point in his career. It's it's not it's he's not the same. And and I think that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to watch. Um, the biggest question of the mark it for me is where Chris Paul is gonna fit. Um, you know, th- there's been rumblings that he could fit. You know, as a starter, or he could come off the bench. Coming off the bench, you I think you have a more consistent and better um, you know option than Jordan Poole, assuming that he's a healthy as healthy as Jordan Poole could be. Um, so that brings you some some stability there. Um, that you know that I guess that would push um, uh, Mooney. Uh, sorry, Looney down. But y- you know you also need the defensive side. I don't know how they're going to fit Chris Paul into this situation, but um, it, it, it is nice that, I don't know if it's nice, but losing Di Vincenzo is, is a tough loss, but I think that the, the golden state's finally focusing on Moody and Kaminga and, 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 and asking them to, to step up. And they are going to absolutely need to step up and provide the depth that this team needs because Steph Curry cannot do it by himself. We know that Steph Curry, Steph Curry, I'm not worried about him. Um, I'm not worried about Draymond Green even. I think he's a great defensive player. He's not incredible. We won't know he's not incredibly defensively, uh, um, offensively, but defensively he ha- he's going to be fine. The question is, is, is this team going to stay healthy and have the depth to go the distance? Uh, and they have to stay healthy and they have to, and, and we have to see, uh, you know, Moody and Kaminga step up. And Chris Paul fit into this situation, you know, seamlessly. Maybe provide an option for uh, for uh, uh, Curry. If Curry plays with with uh, with Paul, I could actually see Curry actually, you know, see some offensive upside. I don't know what that means to the defensive side. That's the question. So I, a lot of question marks here. And like I said, they're older. This is a last dance situation for this group, and um, they're going to have to bring it. Okay. Offensive upside from Steph Curry is a wild thing to say because I'm not really sure how much better he can get already being one of the best (laughs) offensive players we've seen over the last 15 years. So that's incredible. I love that. I, I kind of agree with you. I think their, their window is maybe a, a little bit more than this year, but they are one, they're one Steph Curry injury away from missing the playoffs. If I don't know if there's a team other than maybe the nuggets who rely on one guy more now, now, especially that dames in Milwaukee, like one guy more than potentially the Warriors. Cause we, yes, you're right. 
Draymond, well, Draymond was never an offensive player. His defense was always fantastic. And his just overall presence on the court is something that's, you know, hard to measure. We've talked about this extensively. Clay is not the same guy, unfortunately, post injury. Chris Paul is 38, 39, wherever he is. Um, so yeah, they, they are old. They're going to have to, they're going to need uh, some support from those other guys, but if everything goes well. I still think this Warriors team has a good shot. It's also kind of like the lightning where you sort of just can't really bet against them until they really fall. Um, and we've seen them fall one time and that's because literally everyone was hurt. And then they came back when the championship a year later, two years later, whatever it was. So yeah, I trade and I think that was a lot of good points. Um, obviously this, this team kind of goes as Steph goes, but just like the Lakers and or like they did with the Lakers last year, they won one more game and they're projected or at least Vegas has them at one more game. So they have at 48 and a half oh. to trade in over under 48 and a half. They won, uh, however many I said, last year. Um, 44. I, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of, I, I, I'm going to take the under, but barely. Wow. Okay. Uh, James over more offense from Steph Curry. Going over. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive upside, Steph Curry, whatever that means. I'm into it. Tyler. I'm going to go under, just not a great vibe. Oh, I, I want to take over, but I have a feeling I'm going to do a lot more over. So I'm going to take the under to even some things out. But James, I like the, I like the over on the warriors. Um, oh man, that these are good ones. These are good lines. Okay. Moving, moving on to the Los Angeles Clippers. They also finished with a 44 and 38 record. They lost to the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Man, everybody in this division just lost to each other in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the Clippers lost to the Suns in the first round. They lost Eric Gordon. That's kind of it. They gained Kobe Brown, the number 30 overall pick, and KJ Martin. Sure. And they re-signed Mason Plumley and Russell Westbrook. What an offseason, the Clippers. Good job. James, uh, what's the Clippers' plan? What are they doing? Can they stay healthy? <laughs> I mean, their plan is to stay healthy because if they're healthy, they are a stacked, stacked, stacked team. I mean, like the, the, the starting five of Zubat, Marcus Morris, Kawhi, PG and Russ is a stacked team that can hurt you from anywhere on the floor. The issue is health. So goal number one, be healthy. If goal number one fails, you fail because there, there goes their season. It happens every single year. Kawhi is hurt. PG's healthy. They ride that as long as they can. PG is hurt, Kawhi's healthy, they ride that as long as they can. And eventually they're both hurt at the same time and they lose every single game possible. It happens every single year. The goal is to be healthy. Will they be healthy? Probably not, because father <laughs> time's a thing. And they're the Clippers and they're cursed. Until they get their own arena, they will always be injured. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. With the Clippers, it is very simple. Are they healthy or are they not? And it's kind of like it's kind of a crapshoot. And yeah, you're sort of like, if you believe in them, they're going to be healthy and they, they could win an NBA championship. And if they're not healthy, they could finish 12th in the West. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea. Eric won't tell us how everyone's knees are doing. So he's useless. <laughs> James, the Clippers. So very close. Uh, they have at 46 and a half wins. Uh, again, they won 44 last year. Oh, do you think they're going to be healthy? That's pretty much the question is, are they going to be healthy? Or are they going to be hurt? Uh, they're going to be hurt. So under <laughs> Okay, Tyler also going to go under. Sorry, Eric. Oh, trading. Small right. sad. 
that's a shake of the head for everyone that's not watching. Small sad. <laughs> Small sad. Um, that's a that's a for you. That's four unders for us. Ooh. Probably means they're going to go over just based on life. Um, that's how it's yelled at our works, dude. Yeah, it is. So you're welcome. <laughs> Nation, you are welcome. Oh, man. You just okay. won the finals. <laughs> one, yeah. yeah. Clippers have won the NBA championship. <laughs> Moving on to the Phoenix Suns, a team that we talked about quite a bit uh, during the offseason. Uh, they went 45 and 37. They lost in the second round to the Nuggets. They lost DeAndre Ayton, Darius Baisley, Bismarck Biombo, Torrey Craig, Chris Paul, Campaign, Terrence Ross, Landry Shamit, and TJ Warren. They gained Grayson Allen, most importantly, Bradley Beal, Bull Bull, Eric Gordon, Keon Johnson, Yursip Nurkic, and Utah Wanatambe. Nailed it. All right, Traden, we've talked about this over the last five months or so. They've got a huge big three and then a lot of question marks. So how are you feeling with the going into this season with the Suns, obviously with Beal, Booker, and Durant leading the way? I think bringing in Bradley Beal makes them one of, like, they're clearly a favorite in the West. I mean, that that those three alone, they have their big three now. Like, we kind of, I, I kind of have seen the, I mean, I know CP, CP was there, but I always saw the Phoenix Suns as, you know, a two, two very, two bigs, and then you got, almost there. Like this is, this is a solidified big three, which seems to be the case. You kind of need that, uh, unless you're, uh, unless you're Denver. Um, I, I, the question is, are they going to stay healthy? And they certainly did not fix the depth issue in my, in my opinion. And, um, regardless of what anybody says, you need depth in the NBA. Um, especially down, especially with everybody having to play, there, you're going to be playing less minutes throughout the season. You need to be able to, to, to play Good enough to win games when your when your guy your best guys are not on the court. Um, Yusuf Nurkic may be a downgrade in terms of what DeAndre Ayton br- brought from an actual basketball perspective, but he I think it's an upgrade in the locker room. It seems like DeAndre Ayton was more or less an issue, and I assume that Yusuf Nurkic is going to um, you know kind of balance that uh, you know balance that out and give you a little bit better presence. The Phoenix Suns just need to stay healthy. And if they can, I think that this team is going to make a big push. Um, and this is, this is a, this is a team that you need to keep your eye on because, um, as long as everyone, you know, stays healthy, keeps their egos in check. I think this team's going to be really freaking good. Um, the, I just don't like that many question marks for a team, but, um, you know, if, if, if everything goes right, this team is going to be, this could be, team could be dominant. Yeah. I think this team, <clears throat> Obviously, when you have those three guys, you think that's a lot of buckets. (laughs) That is a lot of scoring. I'm still not entirely convinced how Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are going to fit together. Um, They both, I mean, I know the NBA has kind of fallen away from the, there are five positions and everyone plays that position, but those guys roughly, you know, each play shooting guard, you know, one of them's going to probably kind of just turn into the small forward, I guess. And Katie's going to, also somehow be the small forward and other forward. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. Um, yeah, their, their depth will be questioned, but yeah, if they all stay healthy, this Suns team, I think is, you know, maybe other than the nuggets, probably the best team in the West, or at least has the best high end talent at the top and the rest of the trickle down. We'll just have to see how it all works. It kind of wouldn't surprise me if they kind of get off to a slow start and then just rip off like 15 wins in a row. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, they're the number one seed. How did that happen? 
Uh, and trade in Vegas kind of agrees. So they're at 52 and a half. Um, everyone else was kind of in the, in the high forties. They have the Suns at 52 and a half. Obviously Vegas loves big names and big talent. So over under 52 and a half. Um, again, they won 45 games last year. So that's a seven and a half swing, which is pretty big. Yeah. There's only one team that even eclipsed that in the West. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. Just it, I think that that's just too high, and I think this division and the, the the conference is just too tight. Yeah, I think yeah, the Western Conference is. There's gonna be some good teams that aren't even making the play in tournament. It feels like for sure. Tyler, uh, fifty two and a half for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I'm also gonna go under. A little high for me. All right, Hamas. Fuck it, positivity fifty two. I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say they get to 50 wins, but I'm going to take the under. I think they're like a 51 50 type team. Um, I kind of think they're also one of those teams that have so many, you know, veterans that they're kind of like, I don't, we don't really care. Um, notably for the Suns, Kevin Durant is also one of those guys who is excluded from the rest policy thing. Um, obviously been in the league for a long time. So, uh, Katie is one of those guys. Finally, we are on to the Pacific division winners last year, which no one gives a shit about in the NBA, except for Sacramento Kings fans. Cause you made the playoffs. And <laughs> what was your reward? You meet Steph Curry. And then he drops 50 in game seven and you lose. Uh, so James, the Sacramento Kings, they went 48 and 34 lost in the first round of the warriors. Uh, they lost Terrence Davis and Rashawn Holmes. They gained Chris Duarte, Javel McGee. Oh, what a guy. Jalen Noel, and they re-signed Harrison Barnes, Alex Glenn, Trey Lyles, and technically Demonis Sabonis, but that was not going to change really anywhere. James, we've talked about four other teams already. All of them seem to have kind of higher end talent, a lot of a lot of you know playoff success. Um, but the Kings were the best team in this division last year. They were a three seed and almost beat the Warriors. They had a really really good shot. So. Can they repeat or is this a, a downgrade in like, or, you know, what are you feeling with the Kings moving forward this year? I don't want to say it's a downgrade per se, because it really isn't because they kept their core and their core is going to go and everything, but they're not going to have the opportunity to, to like surprise teams anymore. Cause that's pretty, like, let's be real. The last <laughs> 20 years, 23, 24, 25 years, the Kings have been horrendous. The Kings have been the bottom dwellers of the entire NBA. So when they start winning a couple of games, they're like, all right, cool. Congratulations, guys. Like everybody's cheering for them to win games. So it's like, you did it. Good job. But then they started winning a lot more and people were like, this is weird. And then they just stuck up on people and nobody really took them that seriously until now. And so now teams are actually going to have to be, play their best ball against the Kings. And how are they going to take that? So I don't necessarily think it's a downgrade because like, like I said, th- this team is good. They have a great core. They win by teamwork instead of stars. Yes, they have Sabonis. Yes, they have uh, De'Aaron Fox. Those are big names, but they play team ball. It's not the one guy's going to drop 50 points tonight and we get the win. It's three guys going to drop 20 plus and we'll get the win. That's the kind of ball they play. And I like that. But the thing is, they can't surprise people. And without surprising people, they're going to take a little bit of a step back. It's not a downgrade, but they just won't win 48, 49 games. What do they have? 48. They won't win 48 games this year, but they'll make the playoffs for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, I think one thing that the Kings will benefit from is that's experience. You went into the playoffs, you can look at that playoff 
you know, not really run, but you can look at that series and be like, look, we gave the Warriors everything that we had and we almost came out victorious. Probably a big reason also then why the Lakers were able to beat the Warriors in that final round because the Warriors were tired. That was a long, that was a long seven game series that they had to deal with. And just like we mentioned with all these other teams, a lot of health, a lot of age, the Kings are young. They are the, I didn't do the math, but just based on just knowing their, their players, they're the younger teams out of these other four. And, you know, they definitely have a good shot. If Keegan Murray can take even a bigger step forward into his second year, um, you know, that would be incredible for them. They're going to have to figure out a way to make Sabonis more effective in the playoffs because the Warriors did a really good job shutting him down. And that's part of the reason why they lost in that first round. Um, But yeah, James, you're right. They're not going to surprise anyone. No one's coming up to Sacramento thinking, all right, easy dub. We're going to, we're going to win by 20. And then we're flying home immediately because no one wants to be here. Like, no, this is a real team. You got, you have to go up there and win. Um, and, you know, I hope the Kings do well. I think it's really fun when all the California teams are good at the same time. And it feels like that's going to happen again this year. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what goes on with the Kings. But, James, you're kind of right. Vegas has them now at the lowest over under for all the teams we spoke of at 44 and a half. So you said they're not going to win 48, 49. Are they going to get to 45? Yeah, they get 45. They might be at 46. Okay. 47, but not 48. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So James is taking the over. Tyler, what about you? I'm going to go over with the Kings as well, just slightly. Okay. Trade? I, I have to go over somewhere. So here we go. <laughs> That's, that is a good point. Trade in you. Yeah, you're a four, four for four for unders before this. <laughs> now, I really want to go under just to be different. Okay. We're just not going to tell my father-in-law, brother-in-law that I went under. Okay. And they don't, <laughs> so I'm going to go under just, right just no, just don't tell them we do our basketball draft next week. Um, but yeah, under uh, trade. And that is all I got. We're done with the Pacific just left the Southwest. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's not as exciting as a division as this one, but the NBA season is coming up. I'm pumped. And I hope you guys are as well. Yes, yes, we are. Thank you very much, Alex, for yet another divisional uh, uh, preview. And I'm excited. We're all excited for the last one and for the M- the NBA to kick off or to tip off. We go. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go back to the MLB playoffs with Tyler. And perfect timing. The game just ended, so I'm hearing uh, on the podcast. Thank you, Tyler. Um, take us away with this interesting conference series on both sides of the uh, of the leagues. Yes, we are in the league championship round in the MLB postseason, the final four. A um, lot of upsets, a lot of lot of um, un- unexpected matchups, um, but that's what October baseball is all about. Uh, as always, we're starting the American League, uh, the Rangers and the Astros. So two two teams that tied each other record wise um, in the, in the the regular season, the Astros got the tiebreaker ended up with the um, AL West division title. Um, The Rangers kind of fell to the um, five seed as, as as the wild card, but two teams that all season long were kind of deadlocked um, in their own division. And here they meet in the championship series for, with a trip to the world series on the line. So far in this series, it has gone the Rangers way. They have won both games in Houston. uh, So they return um, to their home park up to zero. 
Um, so kind of looking at this series so far, James, you, you said, um, you know, last week that the Rangers were not amongst your remaining favorites to win the world series. Do you, have you changed your mind now that they're up 2-0 in the series? I mean, they're not my personal favorites because they're not fun. I don't, I don't enjoy them, but the, the, they're good. They're good is what I'm going to say. They, uh, the scary thing is they're up 2-0. Corey Seager has been struck out in four of his nine at bats. Josh Young has been stuck out in five of his seven at bats and they're still up 2-0. It's kind of incredible that this team can be so dominant with other pieces around them that still do everything else. Like Marcus Simeon is still playing really well. And I really think it comes down to the pitching. Like the both pitch, both starting pitchers for the, the Rangers team went six plus. That's impressive. On the Astros side, you had Verlander who went six-ish, I think, six plus maybe. But then uh Framber Valdez, right, in the second game, two and two-thirds. That's not gonna cut it, bro. That ain't cutting it. You got to you got to save your bullpen a little bit here because it. You want it to go to seven games at this point. You're down two and zero. Oh, you want it to go to seven. If you have a tax bullpen, that ain't happening. You going two and two thirds isn't helping. I. I don't like the, the Rangers, but the Rangers are very good, and they'll probably win this series. All right. So James still not fully on board, but uh, a little bit more on board than before. Um, obviously, you know, Houston has been here before. If the, if anyone's going to come out of a two series hole, it's, it's going to be the, this Houston team. Alex, what do you like the Rangers kind of finishing this off or, or do you still think that Houston has a good chance to, to win it? And if they do, what do they got to do to do differently to beat the Rangers? Um, I mean, obviously being up 2-0, you kind of, and taking both games in Houston, you look at the Rangers and go, all right, you're going home. You got to win two out of three at home and you're moving on to the World Series. Honestly, the Astros have been like one swing away from this being 2-0 the opposite direction. Uh, you know, in that first game, Bregman hit that bomb that because the minute made has such a weird cutout in left field there got caught and then Altuve had a base running error. And then that kind of ended that, um, you know, pretty much Texas scored four runs in that first inning and then had one run the rest of the game in game two. Um, and Jordan Alvarez is a monster. I mean, he's kind of carrying them right now. And, you know, you need Bregman, Correa, Kyle Tucker has looked atrocious, uh, for the Astros. So if they're going to come back, they need those three to really, really pick it up. Um, and I think there's question marks, you know, on both sides, obviously the Rangers pen was terrible all year. And somehow they've squeaked by so far in the playoffs. You would assume that will kind of regress to the mean a little bit, but you have Max Scherzer going, who knows what you're going to get out of him. I'm going to pick the Rangers just based on the fact that it's two Oh, and they have home now have home field and they seem to be mashing and you expect, like James said, you got to expect Corey Seager to, to get better, but it would not surprise me if this went seven and the Astros won. It like I'd just be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think most of America is rooting for the Rangers to win um this series here. But it I, I think this series is far from over. Um, I I just you gotta respect what Houston has done and you you know that they're gonna come back um and find a way to make this series competitive. And as Alex said, it's not like they were just blown up in two games. Like they were they they were good close games. Um that just didn't go quite the Astros way. So that could easily flip. Um, so it, it's, it's, it, it's going to be super fun to watch. Um, moving on to the uh, nationally championship series. We have the Arizona diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, 
you know, so uh, game one was a little bit closer than I think Phillies fans would have wanted. Uh, it was a five, three game, you know, the, the, um, Phillies went up five, five, nothing, but the, uh, Diamondbacks kind of clawed their way back a little bit and kind of made it interesting there late in the game today. They got their asses handed and they lost 10 to nothing. Um, Philadelphia has yet to lose a game at home this postseason. I think in the last two years, they're 11 and two in their home ballpark. Um, probably I think I do believe they have the best record all time in the postseason at home um, amongst um, MLB teams trading. I don't know how much you've gotten a chance to kind of watch that on, on t- television, but, you know, just speak a little bit to, you know, that Philly fan base and, you know, how much of an advantage that this gives Philadelphia um, going forward. Oh, I mean, any, any Philadelphia fan base is, is ridiculous. And I think that that's, I mean, that, that goes across, that goes across the board in every sport. And that, that there's, there's no, uh, there's no difference here. Philly is, is, is riding that wave. And it's definitely, it, it's definitely playing a, uh, you know, playing a toll, um, it, it, you know, throughout the run, you know, you looked at, you, you look at the last series, Braves, Braves were done. Braves were done. Um, and I think it really, I think it really, you know, played a huge, huge role and guys, I, this Phillies team from every game that I've watched from all the way back in the wild card to the, 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 the brave series to this series guy, there's, they're, they're, they're running into third base as if, as if they're down a run, like they're, they're, they're every fucking play. And they were up by 10, every fucking play that, that I'm, that I watch up and see they're, they're just dialed in. They're so fucking hungry to, to, for every single bag, every single run, every single out, that is what a championship team does. And I don't know how anybody's fucking stopping this juggernaut. It is really impressive. And I agree. It is, it is so fun to watch a fan base be that dialed in. Um, it really adds to the atmosphere of the postseason. Not that, you know, other fan bases don't do it like that, but there's just Phillies on like 10 levels ahead of everyone else. It feels like they're, they're just, they're just so locked in. And it is fun to watch. And especially with a team that is, I think it feeds into this, this ball club and it's going to be hard to win a game in Philly this offseason, no matter who it is. Um, going over to the Arizona Dimebacks, you know, obviously down O2, they get to go back to, to, to the desert, try and, you know, muster up a win James from the, from the Dimebacks perspective, you know, Losing ten nothing in game two, you made game one a little bit close. Maybe that gives you a little bit of hope. But obviously, both of your 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 top two pitchers went out there, lost both games. If you're the manager, what do you say to this ball club to try and give yourself a chance to come back in the series? They just need to get on base more, because I mean, like that's what anybody would say, right? But the Phillies during the regular season made their living off of getting on base and being exciting on the base pass. They have really fast guys. They have really athletic guys. And against the Phillies, they cannot get on base. They have like a handful of hits and a handful of walks, and that's pretty much it. And that's hasn't how it been how it's been throughout the regular season and against the Dodgers. They murdered the Dodgers. That wasn't even close. I'm sorry, guys. That was that was a massacre. And during the regular season, they made their living off stealing bases. They were they weren't as good as Acuna was, but they stole a lot of bases as a team. And they can't even get on base to distract the pitcher or make the catcher think about. Maybe they're going to go to second. And that really throws a wrench in their offense. They can't get on base. They're not winning the game. And that's what, that's what the manager needs to get them to do is maybe have a little bit more just play discipline and stop swinging at non-strikes. So you can maybe get a walk. 
if you can get a walk, get one person on there, you can throw off the entire mojo of the Phillies. And I get that's a hard thing to do because it's the Phillies who are rolling, who are my favorites to win this, the World Series here. But if you can get on base, anything can happen. But you got to get on base first. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the D-backs are one of the better teams in doing that and being able to get on base and create cap, create havoc on 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 the base paths, which you know is a really great way to win a lot of baseball games, especially in in this this, this October atmosphere. So you know they'll they'll get a chance to kind of reset a little bit, go and go back home, get a few games there. But you know it's it's not looking good. I, I agree with you, James. I think of the teams left, the Phillies look the just the best of all the teams remaining in terms of just how dialed in they are, how well they're playing from every aspect. I mean, there's not a lot here to to doubt any chance that the Phillies might win the World Series. But like at, at the end of the day, you still got to play the game, and they're and there's they they still got a few wins to go. Um, Alex, you know, I think just to kind of wrap this up, you know, I think a lot has been said recently with a lot of the you know top teams in baseball not being able to advance. I think you know the. I'm going to include the, the the Rays in this conversation, but basically every team that won 100 games or more, Rays won 99, but I'm going to round them up a little bit. All those four teams that won 100 plus games were one and 11 in this postseason. And we don't see any of those teams here in, in, the, in the NLCS. Obviously you like parody. You, you, you know, you like seeing a, a team like the Rangers and the Diamondbacks make it. Um, but kind of what are your thoughts in terms of as a fan, you know, kind of seeing that many top teams get knocked out that early do you like that? Do you dislike that? And there's obviously there's a lot of talk in the in the structure of 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 the postseason and how that favors or maybe disfavors teams winning in the regular season. Just kind of your thoughts on that. As being as unbiased as possible, um, I think it's a good thing uh, that because we look at so just basing it on the other sports, you look at you look at the NHL, unless you're the you go on a historic historic run like those the kings in 2012 a top seed's going to win it almost always happens the nba you know we saw the heat make this historic historic run to get to the finals and then got just swamped by the nuggets who were the best team and i think it and in, in football there's it's a little harder and it's a little more i think you can't really compare because it's not a series it's one game obviously but in baseball it's who's hot at the right time and, you know, for teams like the Orioles and the Dodgers and the Braves, you got beat and it sucks that you got beat in a three game series or a five game series or whatever it may be. But like the other teams pitch better, they hit better, they fielded better when three, the teams do the three things that baseball is and you do them worse. You're generally going to lose. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing that teams get in and can do this. It is a little embarrassing then when a team like, depending on how this NLCS turns out, you know, the Dimebacks, like the Dimebacks and the Marlins never felt like a playoff team. Um, you know, they had negative de- run differentials. They obviously, they got hot. Um, the Marlins never stood a shot against the Phillies. Like that looked like big brother beating the shit out of little brother. Um, and in, in vice versa, the Dimebacks finally, just like the Padres kind of last year, got this on the Dodgers, but uh, now they seem outclassed and things obviously could change, but it looks like they're outclassed by a team that sort of feels like a team of destiny a little bit, but um, I don't really know what the solution is. If this goes another three years and all the top seeds lose out, but at the same time, like we saw Houston, they were the number one seed last year. They had no problem. They won the world series. So 
I think it's a good thing. I like the parody in the sport. Um, it just means front offices and teams are going to have to do something to figure out that five day stretch. But um, overall, yeah, I still think it's a good thing that, that everyone kind of has a chance and um, that the teams that are playing better win. Like it's just play better. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think hopefully how a lot of these top teams do look at it. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to take accountability for not being able to beat these teams um, that uh, you should beat. you know? Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's a good, I, I think that, you know, um, there is something to be said, I think with that long of a, of a buy, I think it really does. I think there is a disadvantage for the hitters in that sense, but at the end of the day, like that's the, that's the format. So you got to figure out a way to be able to be ready to go on the first pitch of game one of that NLDS when it's your turn to play. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the league adjusts. Cause like I said, this is a fairly new format for, for MLB. So I think those teams with that long um, um, buy is just not something that they've ever been used to. So I think there's going to be a, a learning curve there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if this continues to be a trend, you know, two or three years from now or what, um, but it's, it's certainly very interesting and pretty shocking, especially this year. Um, how many of those top teams did so poorly, um, this, uh, this off season. Um, so real quick, let's just finish this off. You got your eyes uh, world series matchup predictions trade. And who do you got? Rangers against the Phillies. James. Phillies for sure. And I don't want to say Rangers, so I'm going to say Astros, but the Rangers are probably going to win, but I'm going to say Astros anyway. All right. Rematch from last year. First time since I think the seventies when the Dodgers and Yankees had a rematch. So it's been a long time since we had a, a, a rematch in the world series. Alex, who do you got? Uh, Phillies and a team from Texas. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. Uh, Rangers. There we go. Uh, I'm going to go Phillies Rangers too. I think that would actually be a really fun world series to, you know, despite of all the craziness that has happened, I think that matchups would be super, super fun. Um, so if you guys are enjoying some October baseball, hopefully these series get a little more interesting. Um, I think the ALCS is definitely a little bit more intriguing. Um, that NLCS is looking to be kind of a mismatch, but trade that's what I got. Yeah, kind of a mismatch is a, I, th- I think you're taking it a little lightly there, but um, thank you very much, Tyler, for yet another uh, preview of and discussion over the, uh, the MLB playoffs next week. Uh, I, I believe we're going to be somewhat close to an idea of who we're going to, who we're going to see. Uh, you talk about a buy. We, we may see the, uh, we may see the Phillies on their own buy because they just can't stop, win- <laughs> can't stop winning. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, next week I'm going to be hosting again. We got to get through, uh, MLB. I got to I got to hear more baseball and I got to hear more, uh, football. So, um, you, you're going to, you're stuck with me next week. Um, but, that's all we have for episode 170. We really hope you guys enjoyed it. And we hope you enjoy all the sports that are coming back in, uh, you know, in the thick of it. Uh, it, it, It's been great. It's been great. October is the best. Um, We hope, we hope you guys well, we hope you guys have a great week and remember to pay it forward.